0: There's nothing better than sports, I feel, that would shape that person into their work ethic and what they need to be later on in life.
1: After setting records at the University of Oklahoma in both basketball and softball, this multi-sport, all-American athlete is now revered as a teacher and a coach. Learn why Vicky Streets-Thiefall feels competition is so important in sports, and in life. And find out what advice she has for young women and men on this episode of A Tale to Tell. Hello, I'm your host, Don Roberts. I'd like to welcome Vicki Streets-Thigh Fault to the podcast today. Hi, Vicky.
0: Hello. How are you? Good.
1: Good. Thanks for coming on.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This it's is an a, honor.
1: <laughs> it's a real pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. Yes. Before we hear your story about how you became a a star point guard at the Division One level. Let's go back in time and uh, talk about your childhood. Where did you grow
0: up? Well, I grew up in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. It's the northeast corner of the state, uh, very close to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And yeah, it was a great, great situation there. Um, my dad actually moved all of us there. Not I wasn't even born yet, but all of us there in um, back in the day. <laughs> And he went to work for a Phillips Petroleum Company as a research engineer. So we all settled in there, and um, great place to grow up.
1: How many siblings do you have?
0: I have three other siblings, two brothers older, and then my sister Lisa. And, yeah, I was the youngest. I was the baby. Oh,
1: that, ex- <laughs> that explains a few things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so were you born with a basketball in your hand, or what was... Uh, were your... Were your Siblings, athletic.
0: Yeah, actually, my brothers loved sports, and I was probably born with I don't know about a basketball, but as my mom always said, um, I came out running because <laughs> I was I was feet first in the womb. But anyway, when uh, yeah, so my brothers actually were great influence. Uh, they they both were mostly baseball players, but they loved sports. Brother Phil loved boxing. <laughs> He was he was um, into wrestling and football. He had a major ankle injury injury in uh, junior high, so he didn't do that anymore and had to recover from that. But and then Don was a first baseman as a baseball player. So
1: and so you were a bit of a tomboy.
0: I was, although I had that other side to me that I had the influence of my sister and my mom that we just loved clothes. <laughs> we loved dressing so, up. And my so mom. good.
1: Good balance, then. Good
0: balance. Oh God, yeah, and my sister too. She was actually super fast. I'll never forget it. In elementary, we do those those game days, or what do you call it? Those um, days on the uh, track days. And man, I had to keep up with her on short sprints and stuff. Man, she was she was always a uh, you know an influence that way. But no, later on down. She was the, the best influence, and my mom was always so supportive there, but I had that balance, like you said.
1: When being being that younger sibling, you got to see everything above you and them challenging you, whether consciously or subconsciously, you kind of rose to the occasion. So you get into school, and uh-huh. did you start... Was basketball your first love, or...?
0: Actually, both. I had... Um, I I would probably say actually baseball softball um, my, I know my my brother brought this up probably I don't know a few months ago said "Vicky, do you ever remember when dad and I took you to the um, the baseball field and they said hey there's tryouts there and I think I was eight years old and they always said oh you go try out man you you could play with the guys blah 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 my brother was no you gotta get in there and I mean that was back in the late 70s, early 80s, you know, mid-70s, mid, mid 70s and but at the same time, kind of grew up in a situation where it's like, well, hey, if you're the best.
1: And how did they treat you, oh, being a girl? Were you were you welcomed, or did they?
0: It was mixed. It mm-hmm. was always mixed, but, it, you know, to me, it was always one of those things where you got to prove yourself anyway. It doesn't matter if you're a female or a male or a girl or a boy, <laughs> you got to kind of prove yourself, and it. think that's always happening it doesn't matter what you're doing and in that case my brother was like get in there and do it and I never felt comfortable so I went back and I mean on my you know bio it says I went into a small town that was real supportive of softball so I started that way
1: and we're going to talk more about that I know I brought up basketball but you were a top-notch softball player too um, (laughs) which everybody's going to find out so stick around everyone because uh, a lot of stuff here that you're Going to be impressed with. So let's move on down the road, maybe into high school, and you started playing basketball and softball. I mean, were you an automatic star? How hard did you have to work to get to those spots? It yeah, didn't just...
0: it, was, it was always always a challenge. I don't, I don't know if that was in my own mind or I there was always a lot of talent around me, and in high school we had. I was. You just don't. You don't become. A good or really good player without teammates around you and coaches around you and support from family just, there's one thing that I've learned as a coach for sure as a player but now can I, I can reflect being the age that I am and you know in, in our case we had that support and uh, the big thing is like back to high school and even junior high in the, a town like Bartosville where we were at the time about thirty five, and then it grew to forty thousand, and ultimately fifty thousand, right in that um, spread there in terms of the number of people. But at the same time, we had a little group that was as motivated and as goal as goal oriented as a competitive's me. So we were fortunate from players to coaches to you know, again, your family to support us. So, very blessed.
1: That's a rarity, isn't it? It
0: It's a rarity. And if you don't have that, and you don't know that, and you go back in as a coach and find out that, hey, you're going to have to build a culture, you're going to have to build a tradition, a program, it takes a while to do that. It's not like a computer where you can Google it and you get what you want. It's a process.
1: And we're going to talk about your story career as a coach as well, which is... Fabulous, so, and as a teacher, so we're gonna. That'll be later on. High school, you started doing your thing, and you were playing, and it was it was really a dual scenario, right? I mean, it softball was. and basketball. Mm-hmm. Did you have a first love? Were they yeah. b- both pretty equal?
0: Oh, they were very equal. If anything, softball was probably number one, and when I say that, because I was in, uh, I was involved, and we had the summer program. It was called ASA softball. You know, parallels, what you see now is, I don't know, a summer team, a club team. Uh, We were so fortunate because, like I said, we had um, parents and coaches that would take us anywhere we needed to go in high school. I mean, And I was asked to join that team as an eighth grader at the end of my eighth grade year, which was unusual at that time. Now you see personal trainers, kids can, especially in the uh, New Mexico area, you can move up to the high school level, even if it's a freshman team, but back then, it was different.
1: And what position did you play?
0: I almost always played shortstop, but I was kind of an infielder, and then they asked me to pitch, <laughs> which is a totally different art, and yeah, yeah, it's mostly infield.
1: Well, so you obviously had your, your stuff together, because shortstop is argu- arguably the best the best player on the team, in my opinion. I loved it. Uh, not to take away <laughs> any other spots, right? But you've, you've got to be a special player to play shortstop. And to play as an eighth grader with a bunch of high schoolers speaks volumes about your abilities. Let's get into your senior year of high school. Okay. What transpired there? And did you have a bunch of teams looking at you as far as both sports? What was, what was going on? What was the recruiting process like?
0: Oh, it was it was more um, in in terms of volume, much more through softball. But you know, we were going to California. We were um, going to the national tournaments. In, there was one in North Dakota. Uh, we were we were traveling over the place to um, you know be recruited, not really recruited at the time. But we were playing in national tournaments and all these tur- tournaments to lead into um, from regional district, and I played all the time in softball. When I say that, fall was the high school and then we went in from spring, late spring into summer. So, you know, you get, you're getting seen. So yeah, so my senior year was, you know, the leading teams in terms of, of, of universities were Cal State Fullerton. That was my number one that I, I really considered going to play for. And, and did they come,
1: they talked to you? Did yeah, they call they did. you up? And...
0: Yeah, Yeah, we, we, we spoke at the national tournament in Las uh, Cruces and uh, all along talked back and forth, full scholarship but my 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 love and my dream was always to do something that was so difficult at 5'4 and that is to play college um, basketball. So, so
1: that was really a bigger dream.
0: It was a little bit bigger dream at the time which I should say it just was but I loved softball as well so it's kinda hard to explain that you One them was both. better than the other, or sure. more predominant than the other.
1: <laughs> so no, no major offers really came. So by the time you're graduating, your senior year, you hadn't signed a softball scholarship with any. I hadn't. Any schools. I,
0: I, I held off, and Oral Roberts University came on strong, and that was just right in our in our back door, so to speak, in Tulsa, which is only about to the you know to the south of us, only about forty five fifty miles away and they had, they kind of sold me because they had an upcoming team that was and, and, and what they said was what they projected me to be and I had some other offers in, in terms of um, softball and basketball but that was the one I chose at the time because it, it sounded like the most challenging and I just said man I, I just would love to play basketball. It's almost like because it was so difficult for me at my size and less experience, that was the challenge I wanted to meet.
1: And what division is Oral Roberts? Is that Division Two? It
0: was Division One at the time. It okay. was kind of a mid-major okay. yep, at the time. Incredible facilities.
1: <laughs> oh, I'll bet. And you played there as a freshman. <laughs> I did. But then your sophomore year, did somebody else come knocking, or did you just transfer? What was your... I transferred, but, yeah. And why did you transfer?
0: Well... The coaches um, at the time, and the one that really believed in me at the time was Ed Stepp, who I still keep in contact with, was the assistant coach. And um, the head coach, they moved to the University of Florida. I went, oh, man, I don't know know if I see myself staying here. I got some time. I I wasn't a starter. We were kind of second team. We went undefeated in the regular season at Oral Roberts. And it was a great situation in terms of the number one thing and that's winning. But I didn't see myself staying there. So yeah, they moved and I got an opportunity to go to the junior college in the same town in Gainesville, Florida, Santa Fe. So I took it. I was like, Man, I need the experience. I need the time on the floor. Let's but you didn't
1: but you didn't have any big D one schools knocking at your door.
0: I didn't I actually had the I had other ones, but they weren't like um, the situation that or you know when when the coaches come to talk to you, you'll get a letter. But when they really come to talk to you is when they, when they speak to you is what, when they really tell you and show you that they want you. And um, that situation was awesome because of what they were going to build. And I saw that as a, you know, as a young high school kid that said, oh, I love basketball. Man, it's such a challenge. I want to try it. You know, at the same time, I don't know if it was the best decision if you look back, but at the same time, it turned out to be the best.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Excuse me. Your sophomore year, you go to to Santa Fe, the junior college. Mm -hmm. And then your junior year, is that when University of Oklahoma came knocking? Yeah.
0: Because what happens there is you get your... If you go to a divisional school, your freshman year, and I believe this is is still the same um, rule, requirements, if you go to a junior college or community college in the second year, you have to graduate with your AA degree. And you um, then are re-recruited. And I was I was totally on track. I had to take some summer courses, but great situation there um, at Santa Fe. And I got re-recruited sort of, but the same schools came knocking the University of Oklahoma. I'm Florida International, <laughs> Georgia State. We were very, very good. We won the state, and there's a few junior colleges like, in the state of, uh, excuse me, in not Colorado, Florida, Oklahoma, and Kansas. They're really, really known as great junior colleges to build programs and then re- get re-recruited. And it worked out great for me because we were sixth in the nation and we were in the Junior College National Championship. So.
1: Oh my gosh, and you guys had, a, didn't you have a team record? You had you guys are averaging like eighty-four plus points a game?
0: Yeah, that was the University of Oklahoma. That still holds a record for our my junior year, eighty four eighty five. We eighty four point seven points per game, thirty second shot clock. So you have to remember that shots got up quick. You know, transition, it was like a track meet, so to speak. I mean we, we, we like to we like to transition like no other and, and press too. So we made that even harder on the opponent.
1: <laughs> so impressive. And I'm just going to say it now. This is mind-boggling to me that 35 years later, basically, you still hold the record at the University of Oklahoma with 421 steals.
0: Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, actually, my lead... That's
1: in a season?
0: That's actually was the 84, 85 season, the 85, 86 season, and I actually personally still hold a record for... Third, as a third place in uh, assist a game at 15 against Colorado. Colorado, wow. <laughs> that's where we are. But the the main thing was the teams I were on in 84, 85, and 85, 86. We put up some points. Um, that's so, incredible. Yeah, and cause like you said, cause steals, steals like that in transitional, transition into points. Or easy baskets. So, you know, as a coach, you look at that and go, yeah, that's what you want to see. <laughs>
1: well, and for those that don't know, and I didn't play point guard. I was more of a forward, and I never played at the college level. But just knowing how much responsibility that point guard takes on. I mean, you're like a second coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're the glue that holds that team together. You set exactly. the tempo. You're like the captain of, captain of the ship. You that's know? right. Kind of like the exactly. quarterback of the football team. It's really just so impressive and for you to be able to go back and forth between these different schools and you know that's about as big as it gets right university of oklahoma my goodness so then you you know those things happened your junior year and then your senior year you're back there again of course and you guys you know you're averaging like 35 minutes a game playing you led in assists you guys made it to the sweet 16 oh my gosh you guys were big eight champs you know, Midwest Regional champs is just really fabulous. Um,
0: yeah, we ended up playing um, in the Sweet Six, Sweet Sixteen. Actually, we we advanced to play Vanderbilt, and then we played <laughs> the University of Texas. And the year before, it's so ironic. The year before, they were upset by Western Kentucky, but at the very our first tournament before Thanksgiving. Was the Bowling Green Classic, so we it was Western Kentucky, and they're a mid major, but they are so they were so good at the time. I mean, they're considered a mid major, but you know. Explain to
1: people what a mid major is. Mid
0: major is like Gonzaga, (laughs) but you look at I'll just example nowadays. Gonzaga is one that they don't have the numbers. They might not have the ability to recruit. It depends on again their um, scholarship money, but. They're not considered a you know, the large schools like University of Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, they've only got like Texas. six thousand kids or something. Exactly. Different.
0: Now Gonzaga's is you know, is larger now, but at the time Bowling Green or excuse me, uh, Western Kentucky was a smaller school. Even their stadiums and their facilities are are, are smaller. But talk about pride, Oh, you know Kentucky, Indiana, Sure. in terms of basketball, there's pride all over the place. And like I said, when there's pride, there's usually money to go around or um, from boosters to donations to whatever.
1: They find a way.
0: Yeah. And in that case, we ended up beating them at their own place. And the following year, we get beat by Texas because they were undefeated the full season, the whole season. So that was a tough, tough thing to take on my senior year.
1: Sure. <laughs> but those battles... Are things you can carry and and have carried forward to, to girls and boys that you've coached for many many years, Absolutely. almost thirty years. Not to put a not to close the door on basketball <laughs> by any means, but I just think it's pretty remarkable. Softball was still on that back burner, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. It, and it was. <laughs> and so tell us about that. You ended up actually fifth year of college, mm-hmm. uh, but but tell us the. I believe there's a story behind this of someone saying, you know, wait a second, do you realize what she's capable of? And so let's hear about that a little bit. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm I'm sitting there my senior year and it's all about, well, it's not all about school. I wish it was more, <laughs> but it was all about basketball. And, you know, again, we had that team that was um, projected and we were we were protecting ourselves to win the Big 12, Big 8 at the time, excuse me, and I got a phone, I didn't get a phone call, I got a little message um, that the softball coach said, hey you know we know you're playing basketball, we don't want to interfere uh, Michelle Thomas was the head coach at the time, but uh, Marita Hines, the one that recruited you in your, um, your senior year in, in uh, high school told me, you're right here on campus and we know that, would you ever consider playing your fifth year in softball, with softball with us? And I said, well, I would consider it, I don't want to make a decision now, all I'm worried about is school and basketball, and she also came to find out, my my senior year in high school, the Sepulveda Raiders coach, which was Sepulveda, which is Los Angeles, California, they won the national championship, and we were playing softball in the national championship. Got beat by him. We were third in the nation, and he said, "You got the best shortstop in the nation right now. I don't care who else is anywhere else. Grab her up and get her for your fifth year if you can do anything." So, yeah. Long story short, I said, "Let me think about that, and I'll consider it." And I did, and I did it.
1: Oh my gosh! <laughs> what a what a way to finish out you know, your college career. Uh, I mean, you were second team All-America, uh, you know, All-Region. Um, but you, you ended up playing second base, right?
0: I did. Yeah. I, actually, that's, that's funny you say that. Not I,
1: just, I mean, not to I, take, I, take anything away from shortstop. No, but, just,
0: but that's a that's a good point because I ended up going back at the end of 86, which is right after basketball, and said, okay, I'll try this thing. Uh, you know, if you're an athlete and you love to compete, you're like, I got oh my gosh my basketball career or whatever that is might be over and I already always considered playing at the next level but I had an opportunity to play softball. I said oh my goodness right here you know all I gotta do is go to the softball field and do it but I, I overthrew and hurt, had an impingement of my shoulder you know the rotator cuff so I had to take a step back and start the following year 87 in fall and and they put me at, sh- at uh, instead of shortstop, at second base. And they already had an established player that had played shortstop. So it worked out great.
1: Well, and the simple fact that you hadn't played in so many years. I mean, you had been dedicating right. everything to your studies and obviously to basketball. Mm-hmm. And here you're at the top of the game, you know, top Division One school, starting point guard. And so you hadn't picked up a softball in how long?
0: I had, and I played a little in the summer just with my brother, <laughs> just to have a good time with, but you're right, yeah. The biggest change to the game was the speed of the pitching and hitting. Not not out not out in the field. I mean, I had, I made an, a play that, I'll, you know, it's one of those, you look back and go, did you see that before you did it, this diving play at second base up the middle? Right over second base, blah blah blah. You know, but the bottom line is, it was the hitting. It was the speed of the game at that point with the pitchers. I mean, that's the separation.
1: <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah. I know they talk about that at the at the pro level, but really with all all sports, if yeah. they talk about speed, right? The change of speed because Absolutely. everybody's big and strong and whatever. But the the speed of the game, and as you know, speed speed kills, right? Speed Usually. kills,
0: man. <laughs> Especially <laughs> when it comes to pitching.
1: Man, Vicky. so then, if that wasn't enough, in 1987, you actually played for the United States handball team, is that correct?
0: I, I tried out. Yeah, I tried out. I, I got a um, tryout, and this is such a cool thing. I look back, and you know how you, sometimes when you're going through the process, you don't see the appreciation of a coach. <laughs> I say that because I'm sensitive to that being coach. Um, my... My coach at, at University of Oklahoma, Marma Q, who went on to, to coach in, the, in uh, the WNBA and at Long Beach State, said, I got an athlete, if you're trying to build an Olympic team, or you're trying to compete in any way, I can, there's some, I guess she had a connection, I said, she said, I have a couple of athletes, one of them, first and foremost, for the game of team handball, that would fit your needs skill-wise, and that's Vicki Streets at the time.'" And uh, it was the best compliment I've ever heard her <laughs> say to me. You know, she wanted me to, to man, like you said, manage the offense and be the point guard and the coach on the floor. But that was probably the nicest compliment she ever gave me, is to say she can do that kind of a sport if you're trying to start out as a U.S. team. And I tried out, and I went through the first tryout in Colorado Springs. Talk about an amazing facility. I just was well, at the Olympic
1: Lib- 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 Training Center.
0: Oh, yeah. Went through plyometric stuff. I, I was right at ease because some of the things they had me do—change of direction, throwing off the move, like team team handball—you um, know—is required to do. But I just ended up going. Man, I just—I'm ready to start my career, mm-hmm. and um, I just made a decision not to go to the second tryout, and that—that that was it. Unfortunately, kind of.
1: So, Vicki, was there ever a situation where you had an opportunity to maybe play? in the WNBA?
0: There actually was an opportunity to play pro. Um, I would have to go overseas so I'm not that much of a homebody but at the same time I looked into and um, yeah I spoke to some people about it and actually some former players and players that were doing it at the time and it just wasn't super well organized and I got to myself, I went back to my my dad (laughs) giving me that advice like now you know, do you do you want to be in this situation? I know you want to play. I know that's your first love, but you're done. You're finishing your degree. You can start teaching and coaching. Do you think that would be a better situation for you? And looking back, I just said it was. Mm-hmm. I just thought it would be.
1: Well, you had a good head on your shoulders, and so you ended up getting your degree at the University of Oklahoma, right? Yes. Your undergraduate.
0: Yep. Yep. Yep.
1: Okay. And uh, and then you ended up in Colorado.
0: I did. And how did yeah. you end up in Colorado? <laughs> Back to my dad and mom. Um, his dream was always he would take. My dad grew up in Idaho, and um, he has a and he's like the smartest guy on earth. <laughs> I'm just here to tell you, you know how you say. I really looked up my parents. I looked at and I look up to him so much, but he really honestly. Is one of the smartest individuals I've ever, ever spoken to, much less had it as a dad. And um, he was an engineer at Phillips Petroleum Company. He said, Hey, you know what? I'm going to build a log home. It was a dream of my father's, and he wasn't able to do it because he passed away right after he retired.
1: Your granddad?
0: And my granddad did. Yeah. I never knew him, unfortunately, but I heard a lot of great things about him. And dad said, I'm going to build a log home in the mountains. Like I've always wanted to do, and it's my dad's dream, and let's do it. So Pagosa was a place, and he did that, and and I, I said, I'm going to go see. <laughs> After I had a couple of job interviews, Punk City, Oklahoma, I went to uh, Pagosa and lived there, and then I started coaching. So it was, it was out there, you know. I took a wholly, totally different path from being able to coach in college and having that experience to the high school level, but it was cool.
1: So you started your career in Pagosa, and then you moved south of the border. You went to New Mexico, right? Down to I Ship did. Rock?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Pagosa, I um, was a coach. I was an assistant uh, basketball coach, and then I got some experience coaching volleyball, too. And it never came about to get a full time teaching job. I, I did a little elementary school, and it was cool. It was a great experience. Living in the cabin, <laughs> which is the log home my dad, and mom, and dad built. But I said, now I gotta start this thing. And Shiprock was open and, and one heck of a tradition there on the Reservation.
1: Yeah, and when you say res- uh, tradition, you're talking basketball. Basketball. Yeah, and I've heard about that for many, many years. It was. And my goodness, I mean, this was only your second, well, you were, you were three seasons assistant coach, uh, you know, volleyball and, and, and basketball at Pagosa. But then you go down there, and you're only there for one year, back in 93, and you guys are state runner-up at the 3A level?
0: Yeah, they had a heck of a program, and we were kind of um, destined to be right in there in the league. And it was a tough league. You know, with Kirtland and Shiprock, they have an incredible history and tradition, and, and that's their thing, basketball, especially the the women, the girls. And so, yeah, I got an experience there, and from there I said all right, let's see, and then from there, I was able to move forward, and Durango was looking for a coach, and it happened to be a, a teacher as well, and it was like, all right, let's do this thing. I'm, go, I'm moving back to Colorado, where my ties are, and it was it was a beautiful thing.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. You've been coaching here in Durango for 27 years or so? Yes, or? Mm-hmm.
0: yep, yep, right there. And there.
1: You've, coached, you've coached boys' basketball, you've coached girls' basketball, you're still coaching... Uh, girls basketball Uh I've been to many of your games and I it's a it's an absolute joy and if I'm just being quite honest a lot of girls basketball games for myself used to not that be that Exciting but darn near every game. I've been to of you guys is so fun to watch They're you know, and they're emulating you. I know you're you know You're not gonna settle for second best. You're gonna bring about the you know the best of them and it, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to see the hustle and the you know, and the full court press and right. the, the dynamics of, you know, using both hands and just the teamwork and no selfishness and absolutely um, it's it's a joy. And I mean, you guys, correct me if I'm wrong, you were coach of the year back in ni- late 90s, 99 I believe. Uh-huh. You guys were a powerhouse in the late 90s. I mean, Southwest League champs, you guys had eight state playoff appearances, you were in the Sweet 16 a couple years, and then in 98, you were, again, you were State Farm Colorado Coach of the Year.
0: Yeah, that you was ha- one of my last years of head coaching. Head
1: coaching. Yeah. In 99, you coached the West All-Stars, and then uh, and then you were seven seasons with the Varsity Boys,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and with Coach Fitzpatrick. Man, just what a what a storied career, and it and it obviously isn't over. Your, you know, your tenacity and your energy is, to me, seems as vibrant as it was, you know, 20 years ago. <laughs> and I think that's a wonderful thing. Tell us about the Hall of Fame. I want to hear a little bit about that. And um, I know that that occurred not too many years ago, and you didn't know that was coming. I'm sure you. Hoped for it, and but uh, that's not the type of person you are. But but uh, you're a humble person. But I tell us a little bit about that, because that that's just what an what an honor. Um,
0: yes, uh, it is an honor. It it's it, what it what it is is an honor that other individuals that are close to you, whether it's your coach or um, the other teammates, think of you. Uh, you know, statistics are huge in my ballpark. You know, you have opinions, you know, people that want to push other people, or whether it's um, Hall of Fame or certain honors or, I guess, awards. But in the case of um, the induction to a Hall of Fame, it, it was such an honor because we had such a good team. <laughs> the first one was in, uh, our 1980 state championship softball team. And those are the group of kids. I say kids now. <laughs> that was me. Those group of athletes were the ones that we I played with all the way through from day one. My freshman actually.
1: Those, eighth grade. Yeah, eighth grade exactly.
0: Huh. From eighth oh, yeah. grade all the way to my senior year, to the third in the nation in softball because we were we were the Barsville Blazers and we played kids other. Athletes that were from the Cal, um, Cal, you know the Cal State Tremors, and those were the, the girls from Northern California. We're Bartlesville, Oklahoma, at 40, 000, 000, um in terms of uh, population.
1: Yeah, you guys were underdogs. But, yeah,
0: <laughs> and then Tulsa, uh, yeah, and then I go to the Raiders, as I said before. Their head coach was from Los Angeles, so. Very proud to say a lot of us in high school, and now you don't see that as much because everything's club oriented, but in high school, these were the athletes that I won a state championship with and represented Bartlesville Sooner High School, and uh, yeah, and, and, and on down the road, we, we're we sitting in the Bardsville Athletic Hall of Fame, so very proud to say uh, both coaches, like I said, everybody's parents and the athletes I got to play with, you don't get that without, without doing that. And that was the coolest thing as a first induction to a Hall of Fame for me was a 1980 state championship with the team.
1: But then you also went in as an outstanding athlete yourself, right. 2015,
0: uh-huh.
1: and, uh, and then 2018, Santa Fe Community College brought you back because uh, you guys in 83, 84, because of this, you know, great season you had there.
0: Right. right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I came back as an athlete there at the, like I said, in my hometown, Bartlesville, Oklahoma, as an outstanding athlete. And I know my husband would want me to throw this in there. It was not only sophomore basketball, but it was track.
1: No kidding. <laughs>
0: One year. I loved it. i and so what did sorry I didn't do track all three years. And what did
1: you run in track?
0: I was four by one, four by two, not four by four. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> no, but I, and I was a hundred, it was hundred yard dash yeah. at the time, dating myself, but I was in the uh, finals for that, and I actually fall started, <laughs> and then got like six out of the eight, uh, but, but no, no, it was, it ah, was, oh, man, I wish I would have done that, because also my good friend on the relay team went to the University of Oklahoma as a, as a sprinter. Um, Janon Hatter. So, yeah, no, um, that was as as a multi-sport athlete at Barsville, too, which, like I said, I was part of a great group of teammates and coaches, and I always wanted to be one of the best players on that team, but one of the ones that contributed, and I think that's the reward, is when you come back and those people think of you that way.
1: Oh, my gosh. So, Vicki, what is it about sports? Why... Why do you feel sports are so important?
0: Oh my goodness, how do I even say this? Well, personally, it was everything about my outlet. Um, I love to compete. I love practice. <laughs> I, I loved going outside and throwing the ball and challenging myself on our high-pitched roof to go over and throw it as far as I could, sprint as far as I could, and go catch the ball. That was my my little elementary high, or and, and through high school little... I did as an athlete, I loved it, but I loved, I mean, I loved practice, but if I were to say it now as a coach, is it, and, and even in this day and time with COVID, it is an outlet for kids. It's how you compete. It's how you express yourself. It's how you budget your time. It is, um... And when I say express yourself, yourself, that's not the only thing that sports gives you, but you can actually see a personality in someone when they compete and when they challenge yourselves later on in life, whether they're a business owner like yourself, whether they're driven to become a nutritionist, to become a lawyer or a teacher, or whatever they do, they know that there's consequences. They know that they have to work hard to get there and they have something to up, be upheld to to make that work and there's nothing better than sports I feel that will shape that person into their work ethic and what they need to be later on in life as a character person too because a lot of times you go back to your younger years from again what you want to be how you want to go about doing it, and what you want to uphold as character, and sports gives you that.
1: Well said. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> what kind of advice might you have for some of the younger and older, but younger women and men that might be listening to this?
0: Oh my goodness! Um, stay the course. If you want to, if you really want to challenge yourself to get to where you're going, whether it's sports or anything else, don't let anything or anybody let you be taken away from that course that and, and that hard work and again never make excuses. We can talk about and I said that with my classes on Zoom today. <laughs> I said, you know, be resourceful. This is a time of being adaptable, <laughs> making adjustments and and putting your head up and moving through tough situations no matter where we are or what we're doing. And that would be in anything you do and stay the course for yourself and for the loved ones that you have in your life because there's a lot of people that had a huge influence on me, especially my parents, that are so, were such great examples and, and they were such positive influences on me because they were such good, great examples but they were always, they pushed me but they supported me and so push through anything but remember that It takes hard work to get there. No matter how talented you are, you have to work for it every day.
1: Absolutely. You are so revered in this community, whether you know that or not, both as a teacher and a coach. I just had a gentleman in here the other day, uh, Sam Redman, that uh, did a podcast. And he said that you may have been, if not the greatest influence, one of the greatest influences on him. Goodness to have somebody say that and people have to listen to that episode. To, it, it, it's a good one boy, Vicki just to recap coming from a relatively, you know small area of Oklahoma Just stay in the course and being such a, a go-getter uh, The whole time not that it came easy. You obviously worked hard, but uh, from eighth grade, you know all the way through college being an all-American, you still hold a record for 35 years. That's got a, that's just amazing, at a D1 school, for the most assists. Uh, is is uh, I, I'm sorry for the most steals. It was actually uh, most assist. Yeah, it was uh, a
0: single game assist leader. Yeah, it's third. It's third, but it's I'll take it.
1: <laughs> well, so I show, so most assists in a game was 15, correct? Yes. uh-huh. But don't you still hold the record for the most steals in a season? I don't.
0: I wish Oh, I, did. I got passed up? Okay. I was the initiator okay. of all that. Okay. I have but... to say that the other athletes got to handle those steals because I initiated them. <laughs> That's how it works when you're a point guard. You cause turnovers. But no, but in high school I might have. Yeah.
1: I've seen some photos of you and... Uh... Some cutouts in in old newspapers uh, that were just uh, just fantastic, just magnificent pictures and <laughs> tributes to you. Goodness, you know, you're just so inspiring, and you're you're continuing to you know pass that torch on to all these girls that you're coaching, and what a what a great thing. It's great, you
0: know. Great. No, we have such a it, the hard part is we have such a good group of kids with um, Coach Fitzpatrick and myself. And we're hoping we can get this season going. But if not, we're going to find a way. To, even if those kids can't play, Chassa, um, we're going to find a way to get these kids to be able to play in one shape, way, shape, or form. We got a great senior class, and it's it's just been a joy to see them develop. You know, so hopefully we can get that going this year. And like I said, um, it, it you know from a player to a coach, there's so many. There's so many similarities and there's differences, but you separate your own needs to want to win versus what you can do for kids. And actually, I'll go back to my husband, Steve. He is such a great motivator and such an awesome individual to say, hey, I believe in you, let's get this thing done. And I've I've seen that as I've transitioned in from from still after, like you said, even thirty years of coaching, what you can do for them to put them in a place to succeed, and as I say, he's one of the best examples of that, and that's what you do now as a coach. You know, you don't you don't play anymore, even though I love to compete and like Sam Redmond, I love to show him what it takes to be an outdoor Ed kid, and that's my other love is the outdoors, and 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 he took that further. And so those are such incredible sense of reward as a teacher and a coach, but that's what we want to do.
1: <laughs> well, and you just said something I think is so powerful as far as positivity and get, just giving somebody hope and uh, confidence is if you tell someone as a coach, I believe in you,
0: yeah. you, can you know, you'll have,
1: you'll have kids run through that door for you, yeah. right? Especially um, the kids we
0: have right now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That can, that can be a make or break. Well, Vicki, I can't thank you enough for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And maybe we can get you back on here again and talk about some other things in your coaching career down the road. And um, yeah, thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you. It's a privilege to be able to talk about great things and kids.
1: We'll see you next time. (laughs)
0: Thank you, Tony.
1: And if you enjoyed this episode of A Tale to Tell, please share it with your friends, family, co-workers. And until next week, This is your host, Don Roberts. Be well. This podcast is brought to you by the popular books, Wellness Toolbox 1 and 2. These books are available on Amazon as well as at local Durango, Colorado merchants. Purchase your copies today.